Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to the Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. I'm Robin Colucci, and welcome to the Author's Corner. Today, I'm very pleased to introduce to you Nicole Dunn. Nicole is a former senior-level television producer who started her own PR firm, Dunpellier Media, in 2008. When she did so, she set out not only to uncover a niche in the health and wellness area of PR, but also to tie her extensive connections and experience in TV production to build brand legacies. Knowing that good PR is all about telling a great story, DPM uses out-of-the-box angles with precise strategy backed by decades of industry experience, along with a great team to garner impressive media for clients in the health, wellness, fitness, beauty, and lifestyle industries. Her headquarters are located in Los Angeles, but her company serves clients worldwide. It is one of the only PR firms focused on the wellness industry specifically. And I think this is a huge asset for anybody in this particular field who's looking for PR to find a specialist who has all the right connections to help you get your particular message out. I think it's a a cool approach that she has there. She also serves as the Los Angeles chair for the Forbes Business Council. And in 2020, her firm was awarded Best Event and Social Media by PR Daily for work with the Wellness Your Way Festival, which was hosted by Kroger and Grammy-nominated singer Jewel. Nicole herself was nominated as a Los Angeles Business Women of Influence honoree for 2018. So welcome, Nicole. I'm so happy to have you. Hi, Robin. It's so great to um, be in the author's corner. (laughs) (laughs) It's very cozy here. Oh, good, good. It looks like it is. With a nice cup of tea. and Oh, nice, nice. That, that's my favorite image, like just like a cup of tea, a good ginger book. snap cookies and a comfy chair and a book. I mean, yeah, right. Me too. <laughs> I, I definitely hear you on that one because I love a good book. I love having it in my hands. I love reading a book. I don't like reading it online. I, for me, mm-hmm. it just is not the same thing as a good old book. Right. So yep. true. I, I think a lot of people feel that way. I think we'll, we'll see books in print for a long time to come. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, as I was doing a little bit more reading, even though we've known each other for a number of years, we have, um, which is so cool. But as I was, I guess I never heard the story of you making that shift into PR in the early 2000s. Oh, yes. And I'd love for you to tell me more about this origin story, if you will, of what led you away from TV production and to actually become a PR agent yourself. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I think, you know, it's interesting how your career can shift and very fast. I had worked my way up to supervising producer under the executive producer on shows and then could not find work. And it was really disheartening to think that a talented woman like myself, and I give myself a lot of props because I know that I was a talented producer, could not find work. And every job interview that I went on, the men would tell me, you're too overqualified. 
if I give you this job, you'll probably eventually take my job. And I would respond with, yes, you're probably absolutely 100% right. And I hired a coach and the coach said, you know, you have got to do PR. And I thought, why on earth would I ever want to do PR? I love television. I love just everything about it. Finding the guest, developing the segment, working with the network to figure out like what exactly is going to happen during the segment, working with the executive producer, you know, making sure all the staff knows what they're doing on the show day and taping. And that was just a really big highlight for me. And I loved the moving, everything moving about television. I just like the high pace of it. And I just thought this person was crazy telling me that I needed to be in PR. But at the same time, I'd actually met my husband, who was then my boyfriend, but not my boyfriend yet, because I met him on an airplane and <laughs> worked in the music industry. And he said, you know, you really should look at doing PR because you're not getting any jobs in television and you still have this whole other side that you can bring to PR because you have those television skills and you have the contacts. And so I, with the advice of this coach, I decided that that's what I was going to do. I was going to try the PR thing out. I was a part of a mastermind group, which was an all women's mastermind group. And one of the girls said, you know, I have the perfect client for you. So when you're ready, I'm going to introduce you to said client. And I said, okay, great. And I helped two experts. One was a lawyer and one was a chiropractor. And I got them both on CNN and decided that the television thing was sort of like the shiny things. It was like, oh, shiny things over here. And wasn't working out. I mean, it really wasn't. And when I started doing the PR for the chiropractor and the lawyer and getting the lawyer on CNN for a bunch of stuff, I really realized, you know, and the lawyer had several books as well. One of them was called Esteemable Acts. She had a fantastic story behind her and she just overcame a lot. And that's the thing about PR is like, there always is a story to something. And So I had really good luck with her. We ended up going into Oprah's network and we were pitching her for a television series. They were very interested. You know, we went back and forth. It didn't end up working out, but, and then I went back to the girl from the mastermind group and I said, okay, I'm, I'm ready for like a real paying client. And she said, great. His name is Tony Horton. And I said, (laughs) oh, well, I don't know who that is. And Tony was... At the time, he had a VHS program with Beachbody that was P90X. And so I went and I met with him and he was from Massachusetts originally. And I was from Massachusetts, although he was born in Rhode Island. And I just, he said, well, why should I hire you? And I said, well, why not? You don't have anything else going on. And that seemed to have worked for me in the past when I got hired. Well, I got the job. (laughs) It didn't pay a lot, but I got the job. And I figured out a creative way to actually sell Tony Horton. And, you know, we we went to Washington, D.C. We ended up doing the National Press Club. We did an event with them. And that's how we kind of got our start. And that's how I got my start actually booking really serious media like CNN, Bloomberg, like, you know, publications like that, The Hill. And we really created this whole scenario around him that the military was not fit to fight, that they could barely do push-ups. And here was this guy who was 
destined to be the next Jack LaLanne. And he was the one who really opened up the path for me to do PR. And actually he was the one that I wanted to do health, wellness, and lifestyle because of. And I saw those transformations that people had. And I was like, this is awesome. I love this. And, you know, it kind of morphed from fitness into authors. Oh, interesting. And I mean, Tony Horton was, like you said, like at that time, not a lot of people had heard of him. No. They had heard of P90X, maybe, but they didn't necessarily make the connection. And even then it was still more of a fitness fringe kind of thing. And really with the work that you did with Tony Horton really put him on the map. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like we really we did everything. Not only did we do TV segments, we got him book deals. He had HarperCollins and he had another book deal before that. So he did three books. And I know at least one was a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the first one. So that was my real like first you know, job where I actually was helping someone with a book and I got into the thank you section and it was like, (laughs) the thank you section. So, you know, yes, I think on one of the editions, they missed putting my section in about me. And I said to he's Tony said, did you like what I, what they put in about you? I said, no, they didn't put anything about me. (laughs) And he's like, oh my gosh. So we corrected it, but it was, it was a heart throbbing moment for him to say like, wow, didn't you love what I wrote about you? (laughs) (laughs) But yes, we did put it, we did create a nice legacy for him. That's what we continue to do for authors and experts is we love building legacies. And I think for me, running a company that focuses on PR, that is one of the top things is helping someone with their legacy so that they have they have legs to stand on. You know, they have credibility. They have everything that they need to go down the path of being a very successful author. So was it, I mean, I know that your great success with Tony Horton is part of why you chose to, to focus on the health and fitness and medical type space, but what other motivations are there there for you? Because I, I know there's more than that. Yeah. Well, I think my love for media, number one, I love to see someone who's, and I won't, I don't say this, like as a nobody, but there's somebody that doesn't have any media, it's kind of a drive for me to see what we can come up with, what we can do for them. And my passion really is health and wellness now. I feel like, you know, working in television, I certainly didn't have the time to do anything for myself because you're constantly working and you're constantly, you know, trying to put together stuff for yourself. So, but um, my passion is, you know, just focusing on health and wellness. And I feel like I just learned so much from television about the time that I didn't have. And so now I know that more Americans are caring about their health, their wellness, and it's important to me. And I know, I know now it's like a billion dollar industry and there's a lot to be had. Yeah. And one thing that surprised me, because I, you know, I guess it's funny because when you look back, you don't always remember. It's kind of like when something's been a certain way for a long time, it's easy to forget that it was ever different. But one of the things that you say in your bio is that there just really wasn't a whole lot of positive reporting around health and fitness. Yeah. No. Can you say a little bit more about that and how it's changed? Well, I even think now there is, it's still, it's still, there's not a lot of positive stuff around wellness. I mean, what we strive to do is to have nourishing news. And 
our clients, we want to take their information that's nourishing and fulfill Americans with that nourishing news. I do like right now, the media cycle is very interesting. You know, we're focused on politics. We're focused on COVID and people want an escape from that. And I think, you know, back then, let's say 10 years ago, I think people were less concerned about health and wellness. They weren't reading labels. They, the consumers weren't into it as much as they are today. And I think through COVID, it has actually brought us to an even different place where people are. They're like, I want to know what's in this. I want to know more about my health. How can I regain my health and happiness? You know, they want more. And obviously the media cycle, there's there still is 50% focused on wellness and all things happiness. You know, I know a lot of these outlets, they just, they want good, happy news. They don't want to focus on negative they get plenty of that, I guess, exactly. <laughs> without, yeah. without having to deal with PR. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one thing that comes up a lot for my clients, not in every case, but frequently enough to ask you is that they might be wrestling with how much should I reveal about the content of my book before it's released, mm. especially for those who are working on a whistleblower type piece or something where they're really doing a big yeah. unveil. How do you advise your clients around something like that? Well, what we try to do is we try to come up with enough information that's a teaser that'll get them hooked because you want to give them a, a teaser and a hook to be able to reel them in to actually either buy the book or read more or click here, find out more. I think it's important to not give away too much, but at the same time, you want to give enough that they're like, oh, this is going to pique my interest and I'm going to want to look into this more. So we tend to try to come up with a couple of paragraphs and kind of you know, comb through it to see what what are the hitting home, you know, beats that people are going to resonate with. And but we don't want to give away too much. I mean, I've seen people give away too much. And if they have a big name, then it helps. I mean, obviously, and they they still get PR. But, you know, if you're just starting out, I think, you know, you want to make a name for yourself and build your legacy. So it just gives more fodder for people to say like, hey, I'd like to book this person on Good Morning America, or I'd like to book this person on in for an article for the LA Times. I mean, I think it really has to resonate. You have to really hone in on the audience and, and exactly what the messaging is. But yeah, giving away too much. Well, then you kind of spoil what the book is. But I think, you know, there's no surprises anymore. Let's let's have surprises. <laughs> I mean, it's not surprises. I know, and it's such babies. It's, it seems you know? like it's such a dance, right? Everybody wants the peekaboo, the big reveal. Yeah. But it's also, it's such a dance because if you don't say anything, then right. nobody knows about anything. And then how do they, and then you don't, you don't have a chance to build momentum for the idea or momentum for people being interested in you. Correct. So it's like a, a balance. Like a 22 there. Yeah. 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 So that's something it sounds like you just work with your individual clients to help them navigate. Yeah. To help them understand too. Like you don't want to give away too much, but you want to give away enough. That's going to, again, Oh, I'm curious about this author. I want to see more. I mean, oftentimes I read like People Magazine does book reviews and they always have like four or five different reviews. And I'd say probably every other month I find one book that I'm like, wow, okay, I want to read more about this book. And I will look it up to see what people have to say about it online on Amazon and then, you know, obviously book reviews. So, all right, let me ask you this. When should an author hire a publicist? At what point in their 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I have had a lot of different types of authors. I've had people that were not famous that we helped make famous. I've had people that were famous that we helped. I've had people, you know, I honestly think the best thing for people to do is to be able to build their own base first before they come to someone like me. I mean, I can build the base for you, but it does take time. And I think you really have to think about even a year before you're going to release your book. Like if no one knows you, you've got to start having people talk about you or you have to be featured in articles or you have to have a one sentence about something within your genre and your expertise. I just think it is really hard because there's so many experts and it's it's a sea of experts and it, there's a lot of competition. So you have to stand above the competition. I do say that people should do their own PR first so that they know how much time, effort, energy it takes to actually to start to build something as a base for yourself. We always suggest going for newbies to go to Harrow, which is help a reporter out. You can go online, you can sign up for reporter queries, and then you can start to build. You start submitting exactly what the reporter is looking for, not everything around it, but exactly what they're looking for. And that way you can start to get some mentions and you start to get a feel for how that feels. And these are everyday things from Shape Magazine to Men's Health to Washington Post to, sure. you know, so, so I've had clients like we do Harrow's as well for our clients because the clients don't have time to do it. Right. And they're quick hits. But I do think that people should have a base before they come to me. Uh-huh. Answer your question. Yeah. What are some other ways that like, how would you define having a base? Like, what are some potential elements that that would look like where somebody well, would come to you and be like, yeah, you're ready for us? Yeah. The first things first is like, obviously, when you're setting out on this quest to get yourself PR, you're going to connect with reporters and journalists who are in your genre. I think bad etiquette to like reach out to people that write about crime and yours is about avocados. Right? <laughs> they just don't mix well. And I think you really have to do your homework. So the base I'd say is like getting mentions and then the mentions turn into feature stories and you really have to kind of look at media trends to see what's trending in the media. And I had a client that had a book about paleo and paleo was just not popular then. Huh. And paleo's popular now. So, you know, it's it's very difficult. But to build that base, I think you just have to get certain publications. And, you know, we're then what we're doing is we're taking those smaller publications and it like and I, I don't mean smaller, but like it could be a shape magazine. Let's say it's shape magazine and we'll take that. That and do more feature type stories for you on a bigger base. Our contacts, you know, we're looking for the big guns. I mean, you want the doctors, you want Dr. Oz, you want Today Show, like all of that takes time. I've had people come to me and they say, well, I want to be on the Today Show and they don't have anything. That's <laughs> unrealistic expectations, yeah, yeah. <laughs> expectations about what, what is and what isn't. I mean, we've had authors that have been on tons of stuff but guess what? They released their book during the election and they didn't get anything because it just was bad timing. And I think everything has a rhyme and a reason. And if you look at things, the timing is crucial. But preparation on the back end and building up that base is also crucial. Yeah. And let me let me ask you, too, about this other element, because I know this is something that I saw evolve into your business in the time that I've known you, is this other element of social media strategy Oh, with, yeah. With the traditional media 
PR that you're doing. Can you explain a little bit more about the dynamics of that relationship and how that can become a synergistic kind of useful relationship or or maybe how that adds complexity that that is just a pain in the ass (laughs) (laughs) Or, or both. Yeah. It's one more thing, right? Like you think about all these things that you have to do. Someone said to me, oh, you're not on TikTok. And I said, no, it's one more thing that I don't want to have to like log into and do. And for me, that's okay. But I'd say, you know, we have experts that are on TikTok and they're doing very well. I'd say the social media is important because this is what all of I'd say everybody is on Instagram. Instagram is one of the biggest, Facebook and Instagram, and having a platform and being able to be seen and creating content. I do always say content is king. So the more content that you have, the easier it is going to be to maintain all of these out, these things that you have to put stuff out on. So like your social media, your Instagram, your, your Facebook, having a blog is genius. You know, if you're an author and you have a blog and you can talk about different things that relate to your book, great. Cause that's another way that you can just utilize that content and put it into motion into the social media. So I'd say, having a platform is great. Like I said, if you don't know anything about social media, you probably should find somebody, even a college student that can help you with the social media and really putting into motion, you know, you have to really do it in a way that's going to look good. It's going to have a feel. It's going to feel similar to the book or your branding. These are really well thought out. And I think people you know, tend to miss on that where they're like, I don't need the social media, but actually that's where people get the most attention. I mean, reporters that we know are looking at social media for ideas. Yeah. So you have to start somewhere. And I think building a base, just like you do in PR, you have to build that base with the social media. You don't have to do it every single day, but have some consistency. Maybe it's three times a week where you post. And I just think it's super important for authors to have some kind of platform I mean, I don't think I've ever met anybody that, well, one expert that we recently worked with and he didn't even have a website, but he had a podcast that was really Uh, successful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for anybody who wants to get an agent and a book deal, like everything you're talking about is, is really essential. Like you, you won't get past square one with an agent even yeah, because the platform is what demonstrates your ability to reach people and you can't sell books if you can't reach people. And, you know, the other thing, too, you also resonate with a community. And Mm. that's the thing is you want to be able to build a community as an expert or an author to have that community is everything, because those are the people that are going to buy your book. And, you know, you want to start to build community so that then it expands and then you get more book sales. And I think, you know, my dad. He wrote a book and he's like, why isn't anybody buying this book? Well, you don't have any social media. You don't have a website and you don't have a community. You haven't dived into your community to like investigate like why someone would even want to have a relationship with you. And that's the thing is it's all about building relationships, right? Absolutely. Which also reminds me, I have, I came out of journalism, as you probably know, and I still have some friends who are in journalism and just about every reporter has to have a Twitter account as, as a- yeah part of their job now yeah you know one thing i'll throw in there is that you know you can build a relationship with a reporter on twitter by simply sending them a a message maybe telling them that if you come across an article that they wrote that you thought they did a really great job great way reporters get very little positive reinforcement (laughs) 
Yeah, and, it's true. I mean, even us reaching out to a reporter and mentioning, gosh, you know, that story that you did on such and such was it really resonated with me means a lot, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and will as long as it's genuine, they will notice. Yeah. And, uh, and be warmer to your ideas, especially if what you're commenting on is re- relevant to yep. the story that you complimented is also a great. So I'm curious, tell me more about the social media. Like, how do you integrate your social media strategy with your traditional media strategy? Yeah, well, I mean, that all takes dedication and skill. Like I said, back to the, um, back to the- (laughs) I know know there's not a a clear, like, I know it has to be different for the client, but give me an overview of what what does that look like? I'd say, like I said, I'm going back to content is king because Mm -hmm. let's say you have a book idea and you've got, you've plucked out, probably 20 ideas that are relevant to the book and relevant to the news media cycle and things that you can talk about. I mean, I think the biggest thing is being able to outline six months of a timeline of what your social media plan would be in conjunction with a book. You know, according to the calendar, you know, there's a media calendar. We all have stories, you know, that the media does and covers at certain times during the year. Your topic of expertise might fit into some of those stories. And also, you know, coming up with that timeline, because I think that's the biggest thing is Mm. being able to have that content and the timeline to coincide with a book launch or leading up to a book launch or after a book launch. I do think that it's super important in the scope of like, like I said, everything that goes along with being an author. It isn't just about like, oh, I'm going to release this book. There's so many elements to make it a success. Even successful people have struggle with all of the things that you and I are talking about. You know, it's a lot of work. It is. And I don't think you can be too big. You know, I don't think it's possible to be so big that you don't have to worry about these things. Right. Exactly. I think if you've got a good book, you know, you have good ideas you know you have good content. You can also pull from your book, obviously, you know, and from those 10, let's say they're 10 great ideas and pull from that and then, you know, sort of put stuff out that way. I do think you just have to plan. And that's the thing is people think that that's a lot of work, but guess what? It is a lot of work. (laughs) No? If it were easy, people wouldn't need to hire publicists. they wouldn't have a you either. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, the market so well, Robin. And I always trust your expertise on that when I'm like, Hey, can, can you give me advice in this area? You always come to the table with really great advice and you have great advice for authors as well. Like you said, it's a lot of work. And I think people are like, Whoa, I have to do all that to write a book. I can't just write a book and like put it out. You can, if you don't want anyone to buy it. (laughs) Exactly. Right? Yes. And like one of my agent friends said so wisely, if you write a book and no one reads it, did you really write a book? Oh. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. (laughs) Ouch. Ouch. True. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that what we're starting to, what you're starting to point towards here, and I think this is definitely worth discussing, is that I think that a lot of aspiring authors, whether they admit it to anyone else or even to themselves, Right. I think that there's a fantasy running in the background. Right? Yes. That somehow I'm going to put out my book. I'm going to throw it up on Amazon and it's going to catch on. Somehow. Yeah. And I'm going to sell 100,000 copies or a million copies and go retire and live in the Maldives. Right. And so this is not how it happens. No. And a lot of people think that, though, Robin, I had people that I've talked to and I'm like, oh, that's the expectation thing. And the reality is like, no. 
Yeah. And I mean, even some, even people who are multiple New York Times bestsellers over a number of years, nobody gets a pass, right? Like everybody has to still be thinking about how are they going to maximize the visibility of the current book? Right. Right. And how are they going to get the word out and create those hooks and, and make sure that people are paying attention. Well, not only is it the author doing their work, it's the author hiring people to help them, yeah. you know, even gain that visibility, credibility through PR, marketing, and, you know, PR and marketing are different, but we work together with the marketing team. And a lot of, on many of these book calls with authors and the book publisher, we are working directly with not only their PR department, for the book because they've hired us separately from the PR department from the book because they have thousands of books that they're promoting at the same time. We're working with the marketing department too. And the marketing department is is listening to our ideas from the PR side and they're making suggestions from the marketing side. And so we're really just working together to make this thing bigger than it really is. And it takes a village. It really does. I Actually, you brought up a couple things that I think are really worth pointing out and distinguishing here. And one is that there's another kind of false hope, if you will, that like the publisher will be solely responsible for promoting the book. Right. And what you've just described of, yes, the publisher has a PR department and yes, they participate in, in helping to promote the book. However, every author I've worked with many of whom you've worked with, has also hired their own PR yes. firm. And especially the really successful ones, the New York Times bestseller level ones. Yes. And yeah. I think, and it's never like, oh, well, you know, I'm doing the PR. No, you're doing the PR. It's we're working together to help make this author successful. And we also have a specialty. So there's probably a reason why the expert has hired us to help in conjunction with the book. And usually the book publishers are great. The PR teams are like, yeah, we welcome it because you've got contacts probably that we don't have. I'll give you an example because we were working on Dr. Terry Wall's book and it was a revamp of her old book. So she had new information and new data that was putting into the new book and they were doing a new cover, slightly different title. And I think it was number 66 on the Amazon bestseller list. But the, the PR department, I'm sure they had connections at the doctors, but we were able to pull in a really amazing segment where I took a woman who had MS and she virtually went from not being able to walk, doing Dr. Wall's protocol in the book and getting back to her fitness routine. And it was just really miraculous. And so I took that, I had her do a video testimonial. I sent it over to the producer with information about the book and we got a segment and we got a 25 minute segment on the doctors, which is really unheard of. But the publisher said, this is amazing. See, we would have never have been able to pitch this, like your idea and your creation and your collaboration with Dr. Walls and Lisa really made this happen. And yeah. her book went from like 66 to number like five or something on the Amazon list. And so I want to clarify, this is on all of Amazon. Yeah. This is not I just want to clarify that because this is not a category on Amazon. Right. This is all of Amazon, which has over 6 million books on it. Yep. Okay. 
just want to make, make yeah. sure it's so, clear to our listeners. Yeah. So the, that's the perfect storm, you know, being able mm-hmm. to, and there were some things like, for instance, with that account that like first for women that they got, and it was a great collaboration, you know, I mean, you really, that's the thing is like, if you have, cause they're very busy, they have a lot of books that they're looking after. I can remember I went to Boston one time and sat in this publisher's office and I was looking while I was waiting for her to come in. She was the publicist. I was looking at all the books and I was just thinking, wow, those are all the books she's probably done in her career. She walked in, I said, this is pretty impressive. Are these the books that you've done in your career? She said, no, those are the current books I'm working on. And I thought, <laughs> OMG. And, you know, that really, that was an eye opener for me. That was early on. And I said, wow, okay. That's when I knew for an expert to invest in themselves to do PR was they were doing a service for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So you said another thing that I think would be worth having a, a more of an explanation because it sounded like one of those things that, that I'm thinking, yeah, this might sound obvious to someone like Nicole who works in publicity, Not maybe not so obvious for our listeners. So you said PR and marketing are different. And I'd like you to explain for our listeners how they're different. Yeah. I mean, for me, what I'm doing I am helping you expand your reach, your credibility, the awareness of you. So I'm actually putting you or your book in front of people. I'm actually pitching reporters ideas around you, editors, journalists, producers. A marketing team is not doing that. The marketing team is putting in, putting together all of the back end work of like, okay, this is the plan. This is how we want to do it. They're doing the online marketing and they're more concerned with like the ROI and the book sales and that kind of stuff. I'm not concerned with that at all. My thing is I'm telling your story. I'm telling your story to the world so that they know who you are. I'm helping you build that legacy. So I'd say that's the biggest difference that I talk about. I don't really know exactly what people do in in a marketing job, but I I know that there is a big difference. And when I get on these calls with the book publisher and their marketing team and the PR team, we know we have two different sets of job things that we're doing. And each one, but the marketing team does like to hear, hey, yes. So we went on the doctors on Friday. It airs on whatever date because then they can take that and put that into their marketing and sales reports to report back to the company or, you know, to complete their reports on their end. Yeah. Or they can say as featured on the doctor. Right. They can do all the, you're giving them ammunition, the ads for, you know, Facebook and, and social media. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> Let's just cover this one last point because that makes me think of something else. Cause I know that yeah. since the advent of social media and especially how it's become such a big force that a lot of shows are really looking for guests who already have a strong social platform themselves. Can you say a little yeah. bit more about that and what you're seeing? Yeah, that's true. I mean, even book publishers, they want to see that you have actually have a community that are that care about what you're saying and what you're doing. I'd say on the whole of like producers, a lot of producers that I know, they will ask me, okay, can I see their social media? I want to look at the type of content that they're putting out there. And they, they want to look and see who's responding and who's writing, you know, comments below. If they don't see any interaction, then they know that this person is doesn't really have an engagement level. Level that could help sell a book. And I think it's important to really see what your engagement levels are when you're doing the social media. And again, that takes a social media pro. I am not one. 
I do have a social media pro on my team. He could tell you way more about it than I could, but I'd say for the basics of it, like it's super important. They look at that stuff. On the other hand, I remember I had a woman come to me for a book and she had a very large social media following and she didn't choose us as a PR firm, but I did hear from the publisher afterward that they were really disappointed because she had a large social media following, but didn't sell books. So it's really a catch 22 sometimes where, you know, you get hired for the job and to write the book and because of your social media following, and then, you know, the the sales just aren't there. There are some experts that every time you post something to your audience about a sale thing that you have, they don't like it. So it's tough. Like you have to build it so that they do like it and they do want it and they they're clamoring for more. Yeah. And it's, it can be, you know, that's something that I think publishers are trying to navigate too, because there could be that presumption that a big social following would translate to book sales. But, you know, something that's very fundamental and basic could just be, you know, a lot of times people who are spending a lot of time on social media might not necessarily be readers, book readers. (laughs) So it could just be, there could even be issues just with the delivery method that would get in the way of book sales and not to mention several other factors, right? Like just how they like to get content, how they like to engage with the author, you know, and, but one thing I haven't really seen a lot of evidence of is is social media ads being necessarily effective with book sales. Have you seen anything? Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I had one guy who he had a big social media following and then he came to me with a title and I said, oh, this is a great title. I got to introduce you to this book agent that I know. And then she said, I love it. Let's do it. And, you know, I don't, I I honestly just don't know a lot about it, but yeah. yeah. But there's nothing like a referral from somebody who's read the book. That is... (laughs) <laughs> so the more readers you have, the more referrals you can get. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, also too, the thing that makes something strong is reviews. I mean, yes. honestly, like when you go on Amazon and you read about something and you read that someone took the time to actually put a review out there about what they read, it's really important because, you know, that's what I think makes a bestseller too, is also yeah. like, Lots of people writing enriching things about your idea and your book. That's what determines me buying a book. I mean, I literally go and read the reviews and they're authentic. They're not fake reviews. They're not like, and it's good to say to your friends, like read my book and post your review, but be careful. You know, I mean, I think you want to have authenticity and everything People don't want to be fooled and they don't want to fake things. So I think, you know, you just have to be careful about that. But I definitely think that that matters too. There's a lot of things that matter in the book campaign. You can find out a lot about a book by reading a good review. I mean, there's always, you can tell sometimes when there's trolls out there who just seem to make it like their part-time job to leave bad reviews. But it's pretty obvious because they're usually not well thought out yeah. and they're usually mixed in with several five-star reviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. There's going to be trolls and haters everywhere. And, everywhere. you know, I was just looking at Lindsay Vaughn, you know, the Olympic skier and who she's had a book out, I think before, and people were trolling her and saying, you know, nasty things about her in a bathing suit. And I'm like, this woman is an Olympic <laughs> athlete. Like, please, <laughs> You know, I'd like to see that 60 year old woman who's saying she has a better body. Like I'd like to see, um, you know, for me, it's, you're going to have a mix and it's, there's going to be haters and you just have to move along, move along. 
let's let's end on that of like because anytime we put anything out into the universe especially into the pr universe you know there's always like you said there's going to be all kinds of reactions how do you coach your clients to whether you know the good and the bad yeah well i would say first off addressing things right away i mean you don't want to wait and wait weeks to address something that's like a big deal if you got something that came in that's like pretty hefty i'd say consult with somebody who also does crisis management to come up with a good response. But I feel like even the companies out there that have addressed things right away and have admitted to something or said, you know, this is wrong. We should correct this. We're going to try harder and work better at it. So I would say just thinking twice about when you're putting something out there. I mean, if it's groundbreaking and it's going to shake the media, be prepared to have your rebuttals on why this is so groundbreaking. And it just should be really well thought out. Like don't ever post something just to post it. I think that's where (laughs) authors and experts get into trouble is when they're doing mindless stuff. And, you know, I think your reputation matters and it's really hard to correct it once you've kind of tainted it and turned it the other way. So to keep it super positive and, you know, like I said, you're always thinking about your community and like who's reading your books and who's going to buy your next book, right? I just think you're better off by posting something that's really good versus just like posting something to post it. Right. True. Yeah. yeah. And and what I'm really hearing is don't just, you know, you you want to address something that needs to be addressed, but don't do a hot-headed kind of instant yes. response. Yeah, and you even when it. responding to reporters or responding to a journalist, you don't do things in a hurry. You take the yes. time and you dedicate the time for a response, positive or negative, because that's really where the exposure comes from is, you know, journalists like someone who's put the time and energy into it and yeah. answered the questions the way that they they asked the questions. Right. Um <laughs> You know, versus yes, you just answer the question down. that was asked, not yeah. a different question. Yeah. <laughs> ask you back. They will ask you back if you give them what they want yes. because they're okay. looking for stuff for their readers. And they and mm-hmm. honestly, they care about you, but they don't really care about you because they care about wanting to fulfill something for their readers. Absolutely. So yeah. true. Well, Nicole, this has been so valuable and so informative. We and could talk forever. I know we could. <laughs> Oh, the Nikki and Robin show. <laughs> I right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think it was uh, it was like 2011 or something that we met. So it's been a while. Yeah, I'm so happy that we have this relationship that we Thank have you. because I feel like I learned so much from you, and I hope you learn stuff from me too. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, all the time. So, so wonderful to have you and to have you as a friend. And thank you for being with us on the Author's Corner. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.